Well, hi, and thank you for coming and joining me. Today, I've got a super special treat. I'm going to be sitting down with one of my fellow Google innovators, Stephanie Howell and her friend Tara Ruckman. They're going to be talking to us about how we can control the chaos in our classroom. But before I get to that, these girls are also going to be presenting at the Effective Teaching Conference in January, which I am running. If you would like to come along to that, we've got some fantastic presenters. Uh, you can go and learn more about it at teacherspd.net slash conference. The tickets are just two bucks. But right now, I want to dive into this interview with these two ladies because they have such a wealth of knowledge to help us to control the chaos in our classroom. Well, girls, thank you so much for coming and joining me to chat about your brand new book that's been released. Uh, you're doing very well, I've seen on Amazon with this book, Controlling the Chaos. Can you just give us a very brief blurb? Why should someone go and get your book? Let's start there. Just the resources in it alone. Um, so each chapter has multiple resources and there's um, a, a link there that has lots of free access free access to resources of activities that are already created for teachers to be able to take into the classroom and walk away and use today. So not only are you getting the book, the knowledge, the things that we share, but you're also getting outside of the book, this link that directly takes you to these resources that you can take today, take tomorrow and, and implement directly into the classroom to help control the chaos. Sounds like a good plug, I think, to get lots of resources, lots of things to help you. It's going to help you to control the chaos in your classroom. That sounds great. Uh, I've, I've already got it, though, so I'm, I'm good, but I'll definitely be recommending it uh, to all the people who are listening to go and grab this book. It's a fantastic book. I'm almost finished it. I've been reading it over the last couple of weeks, uh, so highly recommend it. Now, in the book, girls, you talk about blended learning and you also talk about executive functioning skills. For us in Australia, can you just clarify exactly what you mean by these terms? Because uh, as I've read your book, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it's good. I know exactly what you're talking about. You, know, you have a nice little list of your executive functioning skills. You also, in your intro, give a really good description of what blended learning is. But for people here in Australia, I know I heard a lot of you know, the idea of blended learning being thrown around during COVID, and teachers were generally talking about half your class that's not at school and half your class that is at school and trying to manage that, which is an absolute nightmare to manage. <laughs> uh, I've, I've had to do that, and that was not fun. So can you just clarify exactly what you mean by blended learning and executive function skills? And then, yeah, then we'll actually know exactly what we're talking about as we, as we go forward. Yeah, so in the States, what uh, Dan was talking about, where students were home and some students were at school, we call that hybrid learning in the States. So I do want to definitely clear that up because when he was talking, I was like, oh, that's not our definition. Um, so when it does come to blended learning, there's a couple different models that teachers can choose from. And a lot of times it just kind of depends on what are the students expected to do. So you always want to go back to what is the standard and what is that expectation that we're expecting students to learn. Sometimes it is station rotation where students are traveling in the classroom to different stations within your class. So there might be a teacher-led station that you are directing. There might be an independent where they are practicing those skills. There could be a digital content where they are going online and maybe they're watching an ad puzzle video or they are using a different platform to practice what they're learning or watching some type of video. And then there at the last one is kind of the C's station 
where students are maybe working on different projects. Um, they're working collaboratively. And I like to call it was like the four C's, but then like the C's just kept building. Um, it's collaboration, communication. Maybe they're working on um, different skills that they need, those soft skills for the real world on a certain project. And so those are like the four main components of station rotation. But you take those four components and you apply them kind of to any other model. So another model is like the playlist model where students will have like a must do, can do, aspire to do checklist maybe on that playlist. And again, you're kind of as an educator, you're thinking about, okay, what is that teacher station? What is um, the students going to do digitally, but also offline? Because you want to keep that balance um, within those different activities too. Another station is like a roadmap station where students are traveling among different activities and they're very chunked to get to that finish line. So you are using a lot of backwards design when it comes to maybe that model or using like the grid method. Um, so a lot of different names when it comes up to blended learning. And again, it could be very guided where there's a timer set or it could maybe be more self-paced where students are traveling along. A lot of times that depends on what is the task that I'm expecting my students to do. Um, and it kind of depends too, maybe on the teacher or different things like that. But what we learned is we were trying to do blended learning and we were leaving out the executive functioning skills <laughs> and chaos. <laughs> chaos was just overtaking these classrooms. And what um, I ended up doing is I started to reach out to Tara and I was like, hey, I think we're missing executive functioning skills. And I think I've heard that you're pretty good at them. <laughs> so that's how Tara and I kind of connected was. I was kind of that blended learning, like, oh, I know how to get this going. I've got all the ideas until the kids came into the picture. And then it was like all my theory didn't work because they were lacking in some of these executive functioning skills. So Tara came okay. into the picture <laughs> and we started to co-teach and co-coach. <laughs> Before we go a little bit further, so blended learning then is essentially students being online at some point during your lesson and then there also being stuff that you as a teacher are kind of sitting down and running as well is that yeah. so kind on of a correct basic definition? yeah yep. yep okay and they don't have to be online away from me they can be online in my classroom <laughs> yeah and then there's a, a ton of different models to support a teacher when crafting those lessons um a lot of different structure but again where we were struggling was that executive functioning skill where i'm gonna have tara take that lead yeah. So what we mean when we're talking about executive functioning is those mental processes that we think about as self-regulation. Um, maybe it is um, remembering instructions, juggling multiple tasks in planning, organization, flexibility, metacognition, working memory, um, goal-directed persistence. So all of these things, you know, that we take together, these processes um, that our minds, you know, our abilities, our flexibility, like when you come into the classroom, if you are not able to navigate multiple different um, stations with organization, get packing up your stuff, moving from station to station, um, getting control of that emotional response, like when you're frustrated, because it is sometimes a fast paced environment that we're going through the classroom. So keeping up with that fast pace, are you able to manage those emotions and stay goal, goal directed and oriented in the classroom? 
So basically, it's these set of mental processes that we as adults, right? Like, I think maybe I realized I was lacking in some of these my freshman year in college when suddenly I went to college and I had to organize all of these things on my own. And I was like, whoa, I used to get the teacher that helped me tell me when my assignments are due and help me manage my time because I'm in class all of the, you know, every day and we worked on it piece by piece. Now I'm going and I'm getting this lecture and then I don't have class for another week. So I have to figure out when, how I need to get that assignment done. So it's turned in in a week, right? So like all of these things we use as adults that we don't think about, but when we're in that blended learning model in the classroom, it starts to come into play a lot earlier in our education versus we didn't, when it was more uh, teacher directed instruction in front of the classroom, our students didn't have to navigate these things, these different models. They weren't presented with setting a goal because we had a teacher that was standing in the front of the class that was leading. So as we have gone into more of that student ownership and different blended learning models, these, we found out that some of these skills were really missing with our students and how can we build these skills in order to navigate the classroom and control the chaos. Yeah, and I can see very clearly how something like a lack of self-control for students or lack of time management is going to lead into quite a chaotic classroom in front of you as students get distracted because there's not, yeah, like you were saying, there's no one who's kind of controlling the whole environment at once. You actually want students to be doing different things at the same time it's going to be slightly more noisy, generally speaking, I would imagine, yeah, as we're doing this. I know for my classroom, I like noise, so it's okay. <laughs> so have you girls, when you've been implementing what you've written in this book, have you actually seen some success stories? Like, how, how can you tell us, like, tell us how, what results you've gotten from the strategies that you've implemented? Yeah, at first, um, a lot of our teachers wanted to give up on blended learning because they were used to being the person up on the stage and kind of leading the learning, but yet we weren't seeing a whole lot of student growth in that old model of kind of that direct instruction or personalized learning. And so when you are able to blend and learn and use those different self-pacing strategies, you're able to meet every single student where they are. And what we started to realize is we teamed up with a team um, and they were willing to try anything, which is amazing. If you can find that team of people, you, you hang on to those people. And so we went in and weekly we would plan out different lessons that focused on executive functioning skills. But where we started was we first started with a Google form. Um, and on the Google form, we had our friend Luis um, Pertuz, who's in Colombia. It's always fun to connect with other Google innovators. He set up the magic. I don't even know what he did on our spreadsheet, but he, he had it calculating. And so we were able to give this form to students and they were able to pick and choose their strengths, their weaknesses. And from there, we were able to just see where the students were strong and where their weakness was when it came to executive functioning. And so what was interesting with that group is that group of teachers, the team of teachers was really focused on building that student's goal setting. And so from about August until January, everybody's score on the Google form was pretty high on goal setting. So the kids had a lot of data chats, they felt comfortable making goals, um, they would have pre-tests and then they would set goals for their post-tests. 
So we got to see that score be really high, which I think was exciting for those teachers to really focus and go, hey, we've been doing that this whole year and to see that growth. And so based on that Google form, um, I think our top ones was time management, stress, <laughs> and um, flexibility. <laughs> Those were like our top three areas of where students kind of needed some more support, which really time management made complete sense when it comes to blended learning, because if you're expecting kids to self-pace, they've got to be able to manage their time. And when you when they don't, you have more missing assignments. You have more things that are going to drive you crazy as a teacher. And so what we started to do is we started to really start to teach these kids how to use these different executive functioning skills. Um, and so we would do different time management tasks with them. It was very interactive. And our book has a lot of those different activities along with the website um, that is linked in the book. And so you're able to go in and see what we created because we didn't want it to just be sit and get. We wanted the students to actually do some activities. So one week it was on organization. The kids had to clean out their book bags and we found a lot of things in there. Um, and then they had to kind of look at a partners and see, did they use that, that skill of organization and are they organized? We went through the digital life and are you organizing your Google Drive, your email and setting up those different uh, reminders and that kind of stuff as well. And so when we were able to focus on those different skills, we gave a post test at the end of the year, the same Google form, and we got to compare those skills from the pre to the post assessment and see those students go up. They were able to write a reflection about their scores and we were able to also kind of communicate with families that we were working on executive functioning skills and here's how you can help at home if you wanted to. You know, when you ask that question, what success have you seen? Kids were able to talk about um, if they missed an assignment, I didn't manage my time well, what could I do differently next time? And we're able to have those conversations to talk through it. You know, what? why weren't you able to get started on that task right away? I, I wasn't able to, so they were able to ask for help when they needed it. Um, and we saw a dramatic increase in our iReady scoring. So every single one of the students that were participating in the goal-directed executive functioning where they emailed, um, a, they created a goal on Monday, they emailed at home on Friday. They they would say whether they met their goal. We had 100% of our students meet their expected growth on their iReady scores. iReady is a system that we use in this in our school district that is um, monitoring five domains in reading and five domains in math. So that success alone in meeting that expected growth for 100% of our students. I think there was between 110 and 120 students that we were doing this with was enough to say, we are doing something really good here because these exec executive functioning skills are really like supporting our students and that like how I manage my time to be able to complete those lessons to then be able to lift up my scores. Um, so we were seeing a direct result academically um, and also social emotionally. Yeah, so it sounds like the kids were all improving 
both in their academic studies and with the executive functioning skills and using that survey. Is that the survey that I have linked here that you've shared with me that I'm going to share with everyone else? Yep, great. Fantastic. So you'll, if you're listening, right, there'll be a link where I'll put up where you can go and have a look at that Google form and possibly make a copy and all that kind of stuff so you guys can also use it. But I just love the fact that you're having these meta conversations with students about you know, their executive functioning skills and how they're going and where, why they're not you know, moving forward, which areas are their weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. I love those conversations with students. I've always found them to be very helpful and impactful for them as they go forward and they make plans about how they're going to actually improve in skill sets that they're struggling with. And I think I've always seen that have great impact and I'm not surprised to then hear from you ladies that yeah, that's what you're doing and that's what's happened, like, that you're seeing this great impact. And it means that you know, the teachers are, are also focusing on it, the students are focusing on it, as well as the other, you know, the academic side of things. <laughs> so I think that's fantastic. So within your book, you cover a lot of content in your book, which I think is wonderful. But today we're going to actually focus in and do a bit of a deep dive into the working memory, which is not one of the ones that you said was you know, on everyone's list of, you know, we must do this, we're going to deal with stress and we're going to deal with time management and stuff. Uh, but I love talking about memory. So <laughs> this is what we do. Uh, can you just give us a brief kind of summary of what we would learn if I went and read that that chapter on working memory? Like, is it just going to talk to me about short-term and long-term memory and how to actually transition content knowledge or something from short to long-term or what what are you, are you like is it cognitive load theory what what have you actually used in this chapter to help us so we talk about um you know rote memorization and we talk about long term memory um you know there's three real multi store models of memory it's our sensory register our short term memory which is like our working memory and our long term memory and our goals as teachers right is to get them to store in this information in the long-term memory so that they don't walk out of our classroom at the end of the year and they don't, they haven't, they're not prepared for the next year um, and things that they're learning because that short-term memory was not translated. So when we think about memory, we think that like we can only store a short, maybe, I don't know, probably anywhere between five and 10 elements in our short-term memory at one time, right? So breaking down information um, and transforming it and manipulating it to get it to stay in that long-term memory because we have a limited capacity in our working memory. So in our book, we talk about different ways to um, increase that you know, getting getting those elements from our short-term memory to our long-term memory. So is that providing sensory opportunities? Is that using a retrieval wheel or slots learning, spaced learning over time, right? Where maybe on Mondays of, of every month, we are talking about going back. So if I'm working on module two on Monday, we, we are going to take 10 to 15 minutes to talk about module one. And on Thursday, we're going to then be like, 
um, talking about some of those foundational skills or pre-teaching. Um, so how we like space out so we don't just teach module two once and then we're done, right? Once we get to the next month, how do we continue to like build little bits and pieces into that? So then it goes and make sure that we're getting it into our our um, long-term memory versus our working memory. So in our book, we talk about, we provide several deep uh, resources that are you are able to support that slot or space learning over time to get that into the long-term memory. Another strategy that we like to use is using the desk of knowledge, which is kind of um, another study and another resource. And what you do with the death of knowledge is the first stage is recall. And so we've got to build in those recall for students to be able to do some of those harder tasks. And so when it comes to that web stuff of knowledge, we're really diving into, okay, here's the recall. And the students are able to do this, this, and this. And then we're moving into that next stage, which is then application. Where, for example, if we're talking about math, maybe the students are recalling their multiplication facts. Then when they get into application, they're they're using like a word problem. But if your students are struggling with their basic facts, they're still going to struggle with that word problem. And so really, again, it kind of goes really well together. And then strategic thinking is level three. And so maybe students are now, they have a problem and they have to find the error. Where did this other student make this error in this problem? And can you justify what error they made? And then you're at that final step of DOK and that's level four and that's your extended thinking. And now maybe it's like kind of like a would you rather type question um, where students are have multiple options. And it's like, which ones belong, which ones don't belong. And they're justifying, they're explaining, they're reasoning. But again, it builds off each other. If the students don't have that basic recall level, they're going to struggle with those other tasks. But you can't not just do those other tasks as well. It all kind of builds up um, within those different levels, too. I think right. that re retrieval practices like are one thing that we're not taught in college, right? We're not really taught retrieval practices in our education when we go to college or university. So us as teachers, how do we help, how do we develop retrieval practices in our classroom to support our students in, our, in their working memory, getting that long-term memory piece? Yeah, and I like, uh, I do a lot of talk about cognitive load theory and how that all works for storing memory and stuff. Um, I've done it a couple of times on the podcast, on these you know, episodes that I do. And I, I love how it works. and understanding how we actually go from you know four or five items that you can manage when you're very new to a topic and you've got to constantly be working on actually understanding the basics and they're doing that recall process to cement the beginnings of understanding to then be able to move into the application of those higher order thinking skills and the deeper learning that happens as a result of of that uh, end product and to know that the kids can't do that they can't do that higher order thinking if they don't have the foundational understandings i think is really pivotal for teachers to understand then what's happening in their classroom because yeah, the book's called control and the chaos and yeah, you see a chapter about how about memory and you're like what's that got to do with controlling the chaos in my classroom so how does this impact the chaos so your book is all about controlling the chaos how does 
yeah, memory and executive functioning skills. I, I can see how some of them really clearly do, like things like self-management, time management. I can see that, particularly in blended learning. Yeah, that, that's going to cause chaos if we don't train that. But stuff like, you know, working memory, how does that impact our classroom and our, you know, managing that that's going on for us? Well, for me, I'm I'm a behavior specialist. So we oftentimes as teachers, right, we we teach the rules once in the beginning of the year. And then three weeks in, we're like, but I taught them that in the first week of school, the rules are um, I taught them how to submit something in Google Classroom or why don't they they know it? Why don't why don't they just follow that direction? Um, so it kind of working memory, like understanding that teaching those rules, teaching those expectations in that first week in school, that's something that's ongoing. We're not just going to stand in front of the class and teach that and then expect them to know it and and be able to apply it. So definitely working memory goes for like the the standing operating procedures in your classroom. So if you are, you know, if Stephanie teaches tech on how to submit, go through Google Classroom, and they don't remember all those procedures, and we don't go back and revisit them, we don't go back and practice them, we don't go back and apply them, then you have five students getting up going, Mrs. Ruckman, Mrs. Howell, I don't know how to, or I didn't. So really, when you're talking about working memory, it's not just about academics, but it's about all of the standing operating procedures and the things that you do, the navigating the blended learning models in your classroom. If they practice it once and never did it again, and then you expect them six weeks in to do it, are they going to be able to? So how do we take that working memory and apply it to our standing operating procedures to get our classroom a lot smoother running? Yeah, and another thing when it comes to working memory is those uh, clear routines, you want to reduce that multitasking. And so when it comes to blended learning, you want to make sure that you have a to-do list, you have maybe a roadmap where you're able to chunk directions so students can follow, okay, step one, I'm done. Step two is here. Step three is here. Because when you give them those multiple directions, students are going to have more chaos in your classroom because they're like, I read this paragraph and I don't know what to do. And so maybe using some of that dual coding as well to kind of help break down those directions for students working memory to go, okay, I did step one, now step two, now three, and now four. And so that kind of reduces their stress as well. As well with the working memory and the, the processes for how learning works. If you're throwing kids into the deeper end without actually making sure they've cemented that beginning stuff, it leads to more behavior issues anyway because they're actually getting there and they can't do it. And so as soon as kids can't do things, if they see it as too hard, yeah, that leads to, well, it's too hard for me. I suck at this. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to talk to my friend over here, Mrs. over there chatting to another student. So we're going to sit here for the next 20 minutes possibly because <laughs> the teacher's involved with you know, 30, 40 other students in the classroom. So I can see lot, there's lots of ways I think how things like working memory actually going to impact the environment in your classroom and I think what you girls are putting together in this book and the resources on the website are super fantastic for a teacher who is listening to this 
podcast or watching this on YouTube, what should they do this week other than going and buying a book and reading it, which they should all do? <laughs> what else? What else could they do this week? Maybe to help with working memory or just as begin to get the students going with their executive functioning skills. Yeah, my first step would be suggested is to take that Google form that we're going to link in the um, show notes and take yep. it for yourself. Think of yourself as a learner. Think of yourself as an adult. And how would you answer those questions? And then look at your results. Do you agree that you might struggle with organization just looking at your desk? Do you agree that you struggle with time management because you're always turning in things late? And really start to look at it through your own lens and kind of just saying, okay, this is where I struggle as a teacher. Because if that's where you struggle, you might be having your students also needing that extra support where you're lacking too. So that's like the best places to kind of start is you take that Google form, dive into one of the executive functioning skills where you're showing some weakness and, and think about how can I improve that for my own well-being? And then when you feel comfortable enough, give that form to your own students. Um, if they're young, maybe you do it with like a couple students where you answer for them and you're just kind of talking it through with them or you have a parent maybe fill it out. Um, but that would be my suggestion is start small and start with you. Where do you struggle the most? Because even adults struggle with executive functioning skills and it's just skills that we have to work on. And the great thing about it is they are skills and they are able to be worked on. Yeah, 100%. Um, we're not born with executive functioning skills. They're all skills that we develop. Um, and I think where another place to start is, is your own mindset. So this is a little bit of a mindset shift, you know, in, in our first chapter, we talk about see, see the deficit. Um, so when we're thinking about that one student, are they messy? So instead of thinking about the messy student, right, we're thinking that that student needs support with, um, organization skills. So Thinking we see the student as disturbing the classroom. Well, maybe that student, it's it's not, he's not doing it on purpose. He needs support in emotional control and impulse control. So think about that one student and try shifting your mind instead of the adjective that you use to describe that student, because I'm sure everybody can think of one student in their mind through their teaching career that they may have used a descriptor for, right? And flip it. Take that descriptor and say, what skills do I need to teach that student? Instead of using that descriptor and start shifting that mindset of, you know, this student really struggles with task initiation. Um, this student really struggles. They, they have it today, but tomorrow um, they're going to forget. Or by Friday, when they come back to the class, when I review it, they have no clue. So maybe we need to work on that working memory piece and how and retrieval practices with that student. So mindset and then being self-aware and starting to use that language in your classroom as well. Um, getting students like used to the vocabulary so that they start becoming self-aware. Um, so then you can start practicing these skills. Stephanie and Tara, I want to thank you so much for giving up your time to come and 
chat with me and to share your knowledge with all the teachers. So hopefully this goes out to teachers all over the world. So uh, thank you. Just I think it's amazing that teachers give up their time to chat to me at all. But then also, you know, you put in your time to write a book, which I understand it's very time consuming. And when you're working and teaching and also trying to get that done and, you know, parenting or anything like that, I just want to thank you so much for everything you're giving back to teachers. And I think it's amazing what you're doing. And I do, I mean, I highly recommend this book to everyone that I meet to go and read uh, Controlling the Chaos by Stephanie Howe and Tara Ruckman. Go and find that book. It's on Amazon. Uh, go and get yourself a copy and go and visit their website and stuff too. I'll give you all the links and stuff to their website on the show notes page. And if you're on YouTube, it'll be right underneath the video. Thanks, girls. Thank you. Thank you for having us. No, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. It's a great book. Yeah. Well, I think it was fantastic to sit down and learn from both of those ladies. I think they've got a wealth of knowledge that really has made a great impact. I've loved reading the book myself. And I want to encourage you to go to Amazon, search for Control the Chaos, and you can grab yourself a copy of that book, get it on Kindle, get the hard copy, whatever you can grab, because it is fantastic. Read it over the summer and come back after the break ready to implement a lot of the stuff that's in there. And of course, don't forget to come and sign up for the conference, the Effective Teaching Conference that's happening in January. Both these ladies will be presenting there along with John Hattie and Jay McTee and Casey Bell and Holly Clark and so many others. So make sure you come and sign up there. You just go to teacherspd.net slash conference and you'll be able to register for the conference there for just $2 and you get access to a whole five days worth of professional development. And if you want to grab you know, the form that we talked about in this episode, just go to teacherspd.net, click on the podcast uh, in the menu section and you'll be able to find everything there. Or if you're watching it on YouTube, just click the link below. I'll make sure it's all there in the description. Well, I hope to chat to you again next week. See ya.